Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I have a pretty packed show. We have lots to discuss because we want to get to some... October books, like it's October and there's things coming out that we want to read. We have some challenge updates for you. We have a little bit of literary news. Some things are going on in the literary world that are exciting. And we also, so I don't know. I just feel like this will be a catch-up show that we will clean up and get on track for the last, this last three months of the year. Sounds good. So let's start off with our usual, like what we're reading. I am sad to report that I have so, I've had so little reading time. I'm still reading Patsy. I'm, I'm reading the Nickel Boys for our book club, which we, we are excited about because we're going to have a listener join us, but more detail on that in a minute. And then I'm reading Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And can I tell you about something that happened to me? Yeah. So yesterday I went to brunch and I had to take the subway. So I'm on the subway. I'm reading, I'm reading Talking to Strangers. And it is, is it gets to this part where they're talking about friends and um, how like each of the episodes is so obvious. And he's talking about like the facial cues that I guess the, the micro expressions that people will know in an instant, like if you're looking, you can read people's micro expressions or whatever. So anyway, they get to this section where they mention friends and they're talking about the episode where Ross and Rachel, I don't, I, I've never watched friends. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember this who it, I think it's Ross and Rachel. And so was it Rachel and Chandler who were together Monica and, and Ross Chandler. is Rachel's brother, Monica, Monica. And Chandler, so they're yeah. talking about that episode where Ross finds out. And so I go to brunch and I'm, we're, I'm sitting at the bar with my friend and she says to me, she's like, I think that's David Schwimmer sitting in the booth behind you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, so that was just really fun. I was just like, I was just reading about him. That's so funny. What was he doing? Just having dinner or having brunch? He, yeah, he was at brunch. He had this black cap like so low over his eyes. That must be a pain, you know, on the one hand, it's just like, okay, friends was a long time ago, whatever. But there are so many people who go by the sex in the city house and they go by the, the building that is, you know, supposedly had the apartment and friends in the West village. So maybe people would be, up in his face or whatever, oh, but he sure. was having, he was, you know, there with either his, his brunch companion. I don't know, you know, if it's a date or whether it's his wife whom he separated from because my friend looked this up and, <laughs> and their daughter. So <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. He didn't seem that invested. Maybe it's the girlfriend's daughter or, or just having this wild speculation. I have no idea. I, the only thing I can verify is that I saw David Schwimmer at brunch. Got it. Yesterday. Ah, uh, fun. But Malcolm Gladwell's book, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, good. 
So another exciting thing that happened is Gail sent me my, is it my dark Vanessa? Yes. So I'm so excited to read that. But I will finish Nickel Boys, I promise, before I start so that I can get. (laughs) Yes, because I need to read that for our book club. Um, Okay, so I'm reading, let's see, I finished The New Me by Hallie Butler, which I liked. That is not a book for everybody. That is the one that's about this woman who's at this, like, dead-end temp job that she's screwing up and she's very depressed. She's just a depressed person. It's just all about her, like, kind of trying to get her life together and how she's, you know, so disconnected and unambitious and just kind of having trouble, like, with basic, (laughs) like, human things like washing dishes and things like that. It's, I guess, millennial fiction, maybe. She's very much a millennial. This sounds like my life of rest and relaxation yeah it probably is it's super snarky it's actually just you know just she's sort of entertaining because she's so like dismissive of everyone around her um it's it's sad at the same time although it ends on like a slightly more hopeful note so um she wrote another book called jillian which is also like a workplace novel about these two women in a workplace who really are very different from each other and can't stand each other. And, you know, this is kind of similar. I did it on audio. It was narrated by the author, which on the one hand, the nar- the author's not a great narrator. She's not a very good performer. She kind of has vocal fry and is like, you know how sometimes when you hear authors reading, they just aren't good read. They're just not good performers. That's just not their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the case here. She's not a great performer. But on the other hand, because she's got this kind of, disaffected like like non-emotional voice it's almost mm-hmm. it's almost better because it fits the character well so i, I didn't is love she the a millennial is she a millennial that's a great question i have to guess she is let's see i'm looking sorry for the typing looking up what her deal is a novelist uh I'm just going to look at a picture of her and see what she, how old she is. Um, yeah, she looks, she looks like a millennial. Yeah, she looks pretty young. I'm going to guess she's in her late 20s, early 30s. So, yeah, so she is not the best review, best performer, but she is, it, it fit well to the book, The New Me. So I, this is really not for everybody, and I can sure a lot of people, like if you look at the reviews, they're really all over the place. But I, I actually ended up kind of liking it, so I'm glad that I read it. I think you should read then my, my Year of Rest and Relaxation. Sounds similar. I mean, if this woman didn't want to do the dishes, this other one just wanted to sleep through doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess the point is like, what what's the point of these books? Like, are they supposed to make you feel energized because your life is different? Are they supposed to make you feel affirmed because you also don't feel like doing the dishes? Like I, it's not, I mean, that's why I say it's not for everyone. Like someone who's looking for like deep meaning in their books or, you know, to like better themselves or feel better about society. That's not going to happen from this book, but it was, I found it kind of entertaining. I mean, it's depressing because like, she's also just sort of pathetic and you can just see, 
like the train wreck of her life from a distance from like an objective remove and you're like oh man like you've got to fix that but it, mm. i don't know i liked it uh <laughs> <laughs> you're like i enjoyed it it was a train wreck and i loved it <laughs> um i'm reading three women i'm about probably a little over halfway down maybe and mm-hmm. um i am actually really liking this too so I will I will wait until I finish that you can have you and I can have a discussion because you read it and have some strong feelings about it. I am I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So I'll, uh, I didn't know that I had strong feelings about it more so that I, it was not what I was expected spe- expecting and it was just sort of like I'm just not quite sure what I was supposed to be getting or what the hype was about it. And that could be my own like jaded new york upbringing that's just like okay so these women well with the exception of maggie it's just like all right so these women are in restrictive relationships i listened to a a podcast with an author with the author which i'll link to Mm. i forgot who it uh it's i think at the lit bar podcast lit up podcast And I think the themes that she was talking about were more what I expected. And I think the book changed as she was writing it. Mm. Um, I mean, so I think that they're different. She talked about a lot of stuff that was just really interesting that I did not think was in this book um, that she ended up writing. And she mentioned that her editor, I think she wrote Lena's story first and Lena is the housewife She's a Midwestern housewife who is in a marriage with a man. It's a, it's a loveless marriage. They have two kids. I think at some point, you know, I don't know if you've gotten to the point where it's so bad. He doesn't even want to kiss her. Oh yeah. That's how it starts. And then the therapist validates, you know, like, oh, you know, if your husband doesn't want to kiss you, then that's his prerogative. So that's the kind of terrible marriage that she's in. But she mentioned that she wrote Lena's story first and she showed it to her editor and her editor was like, okay, I want two more stories like this. Um, so I think she set out thinking that she was going to write a story about the dynamics of sex and desire and how men and women view it. But then she, in this interview, she mentions how... I don't think that she felt that the men that who were willing to talk to her were as compelling or if it was too different the way that men and women looked at it. And then she just focused on the women. And I don't know. I, you know, it just makes me wonder people, we do a lot, a lot of planning. I feel like with books is done in advance, you know, like marketing things are happening even maybe before there is final copy. And I just wonder with this book, you know, because it seems like it's just clearly billed as one thing. And when you read it, it's like, okay, I was expecting something totally different. Yeah, I think that's true. What I appreciate about this book is, uh, first of all, I think it was a, it's, it's a pretty amazing feat that she, you know, went and interviewed these three women and is able to produce something so novel-esque in that it has so much detail and so much depiction of emotion. And for the, it really feels like she made these characters up and, you know, made these storylines up. That's what I said initially. Like, I really loved 
you know, it, it is, it's true narrative nonfiction. It's like you are, you know, like you said, these are women, this is a, these are characters that she's built and these are their lives. And it's really intricate. I think that that was what ultimately made it more satisfying because I think that when you get into something like that, you want more, like I want it more of a narrative structure that was just not there. So after a while it was just like, okay, you know, here's sex scene number 85. Life doesn't really have a shape to it the way a novel is. But I think that she made, managed to give it a narrative structure. And the fact that it is nonfiction, I thought, like... I think finish it and see. Okay, let's... Why don't we you're table two, the rest you of said this? You're, you're two-thirds of the way through, maybe did half, you say? Maybe half. Maybe half. Yeah. Because I think I was all in for... For the first half. And then definitely by the second half, it's just kind of like, all right, so the same things kept happening. It was just kind of like, what book did we just discuss that you said you felt just like the same things kept happening? And you, ca- oh, yeah, Bad Blood. Yeah. Well, that's funny. That's I think another, I felt uh, similar, real life. Similar to that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is what's happening with these women, and it's terrible, but she's still doing this. And, it's terrible, um, but yeah, yeah. We will. We'll All right, revisit. let's revisit. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm reading, and I've just started the Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall, which is um, my in real life book club book for October. So I'm like, like I started it this morning. So I don't have anything new to report on that one. I've heard such good things about that book. I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Someone in our Facebook group did a mini review of it. And, um, and I like a good, a good book that explores faith. Cause I feel like, I don't, I think faith is a, a part of a lot of people's lives and you don't necessarily see it a lot. I don't see it a lot in the kind of fiction that I read. Right. Let's check in on October on what we each have on tap to read. Like what we're going to read. I've got, I've mentioned two book club books. So that's Dearly Beloved and Nickel Boys, which you mentioned. So those are my two book clubs that I have to read this month, starting tomorrow, which is the day, the first day of October. Those are, those are my book club books, which I've got to tackle this month. And I I do have a library book out and I'm going to forget the name of this one. It's, um, it's got one of those generic names. It's a book about a group of women friends from college who have been very close, I guess, ever since then. And one of them is just had like a relapse of cancer, like a re her, can- her cancer was in remission and now it's back. And it looks like she's going to die from it. And so they all gather together and it's sort of about how they come to terms with losing one of their really good friends. Um, while mm. we're talking, I'll look up the name of the book. I forgot what it is. I, I was like, that sounds so familiar. Yeah. Um, I will, I'll figure out what that's called. So what about you? What do you have on tap for this month other than the ones that you've already talked about? So there's the three that I need to finish. One is which, one of which is the Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, which we will be discussing on the last Thursday of this month. And so I'm going to be reading The Other's Gold with one of my book clubs. Oh, good. 
the Book Babes NYC book club. So you and I will be able to maybe do a little mini discussion on it as well, since it hopefully will be pretty fresh in your mind by the time that I finish. Sure. So that's for October 10th. I need to finish that by. I also have to read, and I'm not excited to read this, but one of my book club, my other book club is reading The Falconer. Mm. And that, that was that library book that you took back. And I think I had it here, and I think I gave it away because I really wasn't that interested in reading it. Now it's our book club book. Can you remind? I don't even remember what it is. It's the one that is about the. It's about teenagers, and I think she. It's about a young woman who has a crush on her friend, and they play basketball together. Oh. <laughs> yes. Why did I take it back? I, I started and I just didn't like it. Right. I saw the voting that was happening, you know, like um whoever's turn it was to host sent out this some kind of like doodle poll with a bunch of books and I saw that it had two, maybe three, and I was like, Oh no. Could you just be conveniently sick that night? I don't know. I might. <laughs> I <laughs> I've been really bad about this book club. I I feel like I went in. Uh, I don't. I feel like the last time I went was early part of the summer, and I was just hoping to make more. But I think I had travel schedule conflicts or whatever. So I really enjoy the women there. I I want to go. You know, I could just suck. I could just go. Yeah. <laughs> I could just go. I can't. I, I'm trying to remember now what what made me. Wait, did I actually read that book? I don't think you. I don't think you finished it. I think maybe you gave it a few pages, and it was like you. Yeah, you did a life. I think we were proud of you. Oh yeah, I think I think that sounds familiar. I don't think I finished it, but I do remember giving it a college try. <laughs> I'm looking it up on my blog to see if I reviewed it. Where do you think that came from? What does that expression mean? I don't you know. know the college, the old college try. Yeah, I don't know. It is a funny expression. Because in college, you kind of have to like see things through. You can't just sort of give it a try and then Half chalk it up and say, yeah, that wasn't for me. Like, that's not really how it works in college. <laughs> you sort of right. Have you have to come up with usually with it. some sort of thesis and write a paper and right. do some things. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It seems like the old college try would be really dedicated, but it seems like it means you sort of half-ass it or right. give up on it. Right. So, I don't know. Um, the book that I was trying to remember that I have checked out of the library is called Before Everything by Victoria Riddell. I just must have heard about this somewhere, and then I just re- requested it. I have no, no idea where I read about it, but... Hmm. And now it's sitting Yeah, in that doesn't house. sound familiar. Yeah. Even though... It says it's I guess that, to friendship. that premise is pretty basic yeah a luminous and richly layered novel evoking the big chill so anyway it's not it doesn't seem to be in high demand so i could sort of like extend this indefinitely (laughs) until i have time to read it i looked up the etymology of giving it the old college try oh yeah baseball term gail (gasps) a baseball term my favorite what where does it come from a wild and desperate attempt to make a play sometimes a term carries a hint of showboating babe ruth in babe ruth's own book of baseball in 1928 defined giving it the old college try as playing to the grandstand or making strenuous effort to field a ball that obviously cannot be handled 
So you tried to, re- you gave a strenuous try to read a book that you just knew you were not going to be able to finish, maybe. Interesting. Okay. Thar, what we have on tap for October. So this segues into some literary news, and Gail had an item that she wanted to talk about, which is Oprah's Book Club. And I have that on my list of books that I would like to read in October because it's getting such rave reviews. So I wanted to read it anyway, but it's sort of bumped it up the list. So, Gail, why don't you give us some news? Oh, well, I think it's just that Oprah is relaunching her book club as part of Apple. So, you know, it's funny. I never actually looked it up. I just remember reading about it. She's got this new book club. She's reviving her old one, and she seems to be partnered with Apple to do it. We we discussed this on the show, so maybe that's why you remember it too. But I guess this is the first one she's done. So, and it just it just just announced it like her first pick, and she announced it last week. And she has picked Ta Nehisi Coates's *The Water Dancer*, which is a book you have flagged for our fall reading. It's his first novel. And she calls it one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life, right up there in the top five. And so that's going to be Ooh. her pick. Um, let's see. The latest incarnation comes through a partnership between Winfrey and Apple. So the book club debuts on the Apple Books app. And then, yeah, an Apple TV, she's going to interview him for the first installment of the book. So since she doesn't have her network syndicated platform anymore, she is using Apple to be the place where you can now tune in on the discussion, hear what the author has to say. She says, together with Apple, we're building a new book club for today's world, for a more connected world, for the entire world. So you can follow her book club at, at Oprah's Book Club on Twitter. That's the first pick. I was reading this article and it says that it's going to be once every two months. So I think every two months is going to be a new book where she will interview the author and it will go out on the Apple the Apple app. I mean, she has own TV. I don't think that she does any specific book programming with own. I think she was mm-hmm. doing it through Oprah. But this probably gives her much more. I mean, Apple gives you much more reach. Mm-hmm. Like she says, it's global. Oh, yes. So they are also doing a partnership with the American Library Association. I think that if you buy the book through the Apple, you know, if you buy it through Apple Store or if you uh, read on Apple Books, they, they're matching some, some amount of that, some portion of money will be donated by Apple to the American Library Association to help fund reading and its initiatives. So I think that's cool. So it's funny that the godmother of celebrity book clubs has sort of sat out the last few years as other people have entered into that space, which we've talked about on the show, and now she's back. So I'm curious to see, you know, after a few months. She's she's back and she's global. (laughs) I'm curious to see after a few months, how does her influence compare to a Reese Witherspoon or a Jenna Bush um, you know, is she, does she step right back into her old role or is she, has she been displaced a bit by these young upstarts? Uh, I don't think she ever really got out of it. I mean, the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead was her pick. I think she was doing them oh, a bit okay. less so frequently. She was still doing it. And she also picked Tyree Jones' book. I mean, that was the big thing that An American Marriage was her pick. I think she was doing them, she was interviewing them uh, and it was in her okay. magazine. So. so she just needed a platform. With Apple, of course, 
it will be in your phone. And so many more people will, you know, I'm sure they will promote it if you go into the app store and it'll, it's a, yeah, it'll be even bigger than it was. (laughs) All right. We're going to do a check-in on challenges. Nicole and I both did some challenges this year. I launched a challenge on my own blog, the Everyday I Write the Book 2019 Reading Challenge. And that was 12 books across 12 categories. And you just have to read one for each category before the year is up. So it's pretty straightforward. And Nicole is part of my book challenge, but she's also been reading for the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge. I'm going (laughs) to fail both of these woefully. Yeah, I just didn't have as much time to read as I initially expected. I got a new job, the the adjust the hours and just the adjusting has not left me with as much reading time as I would like. So have you put um, them completely by the wayside or so, are you still sort of like half-assing it? I don't know. I mean, I have 3 months and I think what it when when we were at the beginning of September And I said, okay, so I have four months and I had 18 books to finish. And at that point, it seemed really doable. Three months and 18 books that are very specific books that, you know, are in a way forced. I don't know that I, I don't even know if I wanted to try that, you know. Either fun or doable. Right. Because I think right now I'm maybe reading three or four books a month. And... You know, so yeah, my pick for my podcast, and then I have my book babes NYC mm-hmm. book club. It doesn't leave much room. Yeah, right. So, but I don't know because then this morning, I as I was preparing for the show and I was going through what I'd read, I realized that the need by Helen Phillips fit the bill with having. Um, it had like a it has a plant on the cover, and I think one of the prompts was a book that has like a plant on the cover. So I think that might have ticked off one book. So I am going to go through it a little bit more thoroughly and see if I have just by happenstance mm-hmm. read a few more books. That if it took it down to a more manageable number, I might give it the whole <laughs> college try. <laughs> How many books total are in that Pop Sugar Challenge? 52. Ah, it's like a book a week. Okay. I think. I think it's like 52 or 54, and then it's if 60 if you do their bonus or something. No, or it's 48, Mm -hmm. but it's 52 if you do the bonus category. So, um, yeah, and even your challenge was challenging. That's that's the name. (laughs) Might be challenging, but I don't know. I I might finish it. So I'm like four away on mine. All right. And they're the four that are the hardest to do. They're self-help, book for my birth year, a book that's being made into a movie, and a Pulitzer. So I've got a book for each one. I just haven't read them yet. You didn't start a son. No, I brought that on vacation. But I figured that's. Are you going to want to read a YA book? Is that going to be something about it that Uh, makes you put it off? I think it'll be okay. I don't mind a YA book every now and again. Um, So yeah, that should be all right. I'm gonna. I've changed my Pulitzer book. I was gonna read less by Andrew Sean Greer, but I'm instead I'm gonna read The Interpreter of Maladies by Jim Blaheri because my daughter is gonna read that in school this year. So I figured I'll just read it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think she's reading it till the spring. But if I read it, at mm-hmm. least I'll be able to talk about it with her when she reads it. So, right. Um, I had a question for you about self help. 
Like, how do you define self-help? Like, could I read a book about how to have good skin? Is that called, is that self-help? I would think so. You would think so. Yeah. I think that we should talk about all your, we should do a show for your self-help options. Let's try to get that in in October and then we can talk about skincare. (laughs) (laughs) Just like another obsession of mine. I have this book that I bought years ago, like how to have the best skin of your life or something. And of course I haven't read it. So I still do not have the best skin of my life. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking as I was running this morning, I wonder if I could fit that in for self-help. So if you think that fits, because the other book I was going to read is this book my colleague recommended called Atomic Habits. And I'm just like, I don't want to read it. Oh, I really want to read that. James Clear. Um. Yeah, I, th- I really want to read it. I probably <laughs> never will. Uh, I think that that is, I would think I really want to read to Dreyer's English by Benjamin Dreyer, which is all about grammar, but it's supposed to be like in this really fun way about, you know, how you should style grammar that you pay attention to and what you don't have to pay attention to and just fun examples for like, it's supposed to be really snarky. So Mm. I think, I mean, anything that goes to your improvement and if, you know, if gorgeous skin will go to your improvement and then we can discuss all of my, cause I do so much skincare while I'm re you know, like that's my treat sometimes, or that's a way to get me to do it. I think that we should link your skincare to reading and then you can, you'll have glorious skin and you'll read. I love it. Okay. I'm now inspired to read that book finally. So all right, everyone in, 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 in our Facebook group, please give us, give us your skincare tips so that when we discuss this book, we can incorporate some of your, some of your recommendations. Yes. And Gail, you have to keep me posted on what she's telling you to do. Okay. I will. You have great skin, so you don't need my help, but all right. Um, this is my exciting news on the book front is that I set a goal for myself on Goodreads this year. And I think it was 60 books and I'm already at 49. No, I'm not having blown through it, but I'm going to, I will definitely have no problem making it. Yeah. You'll easily reach it. Yeah. Goodreads talk. I think that I chose, I said I wasn't going to choose one, but it keeps prompting you to do it. And I hate seeing prompts that are just there. Maybe there was a way to dismiss it, but I think I just finally set it as 85 books and I'm probably, at first I was like four books behind, I mean, four books ahead and three books ahead. And now I'm probably woefully behind. Let me check and see. I think I've read 60, 62 before the greats. Yeah. 62. And it says I'm one book behind schedule if I want to read 85 books. So... I think that I will probably finish this three or four because it's just been the slow progress bar thing that's been going on. And I'm pretty, you know, like I'm on my last 80 pages of Patsy and Malcolm Gladwell Wells book reads so quick because he's talking about all the different scandals, which I love like Bernie Madoff and Jerry Sandusky and, um, uh, Fidel Castro's Cuba, so that's going really quickly. I'm pretty sure that I will finish that. And the Nickel Boys is sad, but really short. So I'm halfway through that. Oh, well, that's good. So then I'll be back up to two books ahead <laughs> and try to, and then try to keep up with that. 
All right. Well, we wanted to share a few books that are coming out in October that we're excited about uh, now that we're almost at October. And let's see. Do you want to kick it off with an October read? For the most part, mine are ones we haven't mentioned. There's one that I threw in there, which I won't spend much time on because I've talked about it in a recent show. But I think for the most part, these are ones that we we mentioned them, but we haven't given them too much time, I believe. All right. So my pick that I'm really looking forward to, and I would love to read sooner rather than later, is by Ryan Holiday. He wrote this book called The Daily Stoic, and he's also um, written... The ego is the enemy and the obstacle is the way. And he is all about like um, applying ancient wisdom for daily life. And he looks a lot at how Stoics handle things, you know, in terms of how to focus your attention and and just how to be uh, less reactive and just more focused so that you can be productive and focused on the things that you can necessarily affect and how you do that. You know, um, we live in a, in an age where it seems like there is always something to be outraged over. There's always some new injustice or some, some new terrible thing that is there to steal your attention and your joy. And we can't do anything about all of those things. So to just, to be able to prioritize what is really important and, you know, like I've made changes in terms of what I will actually pay attention to and when, and when I read the news, because, you know, it just, it doesn't do anyone any good to be upset all the time. So that's a lot about, those are, that's basically what his, his books are about. Just using these, this ancient wisdom to, to make choices in your life that will, you know, let you keep your joy, be more successful to accomplish the things that you want to do and to actually have a life you enjoy and spend time with people that you enjoy. So he has a new book and I think it's called something like silence is the key. It's out on October 1st. And I am really looking forward to reading that because, you know, I mean, there's things like we all want to juggle things and see friends and so many things that I want to do and, and what's the best way for me to do that. So, um, so yeah, I love his books. This one's coming out October 1st and I want to read that one sooner rather than later. Um, I picked a book and I'm now looking at it on Goodreads and it says it came out in February, but I'm wondering if maybe it didn't come out in the U.S. until now. Um, so I picked a book called If Only I Could Tell You, which is one of the September Book of the Month Club books. But when I looked it up in Publishers Weekly, it sounded like it was coming out in October. So I'm a little confused. But anyway, I'll mention it here. It's by Hannah Beckerman and it is about – it's a family – book about a woman with two grown daughters who are estranged from each other. And as a result, the two daughters who then have their own daughters, those granddaughters don't speak to each other, never met each other. And it's about family secrets and a rift. And I guess, you know, I assume that they'll delve into it and 
see if there's any resolution of getting his family back together. So this was one of the the five Book of the Month Club books for September, which was the month I signed up for Book of the Month. And this is the one I had originally picked and then had switched over to the other book, the um, nonfiction book that you and I both ended up picking. But I think that this is coming out this fall. I don't know where this February date comes from unless maybe it came out in England or something because I, I'm, for some reason, thought this was British. But um, I don't know. Look good. What was the name of it again? It's called If Only I Could Tell You. I'm just really curious. Uh, that is one of my October picks. February 21st, 2019 by Orion. Yeah. I think that's the UK date because that's not a publishing company that I am familiar with. But October 15th, 2019 is the William Morrow date. So that's probably the first US date. So yay. Okay, so this book I'm really excited about because I love retellings. And this one is called Marley by John Clinch. And it is, of course, a Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens retelling. And uh, so it says that Marley was dead to begin with. And, you know, it tells us how Charles Dickens, like, that's one of the first lines of A Christmas Carol. So this is all about Marley and how Marley meets Scrooge and what their lives were like. And, you know, so it just leads up to it's I guess it's almost like a prequel to A Christmas Carol where you get to see what the relationship is like between Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley and see why they had that falling out. And of course, you know, Marley is the first ghost that Scrooge sees in A Christmas Carol. So I think that that's really I mean, you know, Christmas Carol is one of those things that I really love the movie to see the movie and to see all the different remakes of the movies. I read A Christmas Carol and it is so preachy and so uh, just, I don't know that I liked it as much, but I feel like I would really like this. I love, I love reimagining. So mm-hmm. it says it's darkly entertaining and a moving exploration of the twisted relationship between Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley. Okay. So my next one is called motherhood. So white, a memoir of race, gender and parenting in America by Nefertiti Austin, which may be one of the best Mm -hmm. names I've ever heard. And this is a book about an African American woman who decides she wants to adopt a baby and is given a lot of pushback by people she knows about why would you want to raise a baby on your own? Why do you want to adopt? And she says that motherhood is seen through a white lens and that she fought hard to be accepted as that her version of motherhood to have it accepted on her terms. So um, I want to read this. I'd love to hear that perspective because I am a white mother. So I want to hear about what she says about being an African-American woman trying to become a mother and doing it through, you know, less conventional means because she wants to adopt. So I think that I got this book at Book Expo and um, it's been sitting on my shelf. So that book is coming out. Oh, look, Nicole, you have that as marked to read. Yeah, it sounds interesting. In Goodreads. Um, Yeah, this comes out. Actually, it came out at the end of September. I didn't realize that. So September 20th, but close enough to October by source books. And um, I'm going to, you know, b- bump that one up the list for me. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to do an aside real quick. 
because one of the books I wanted to talk about was The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Would you like me to announce the giveaway in this show? Let's do it. Okay. The next book on my list is actually one that we were just talking about self-help books. I don't know if it's one that you want to read, but it's interesting that I tagged it as coming out in October. Just let this plane go by. There's some kind of like festival outside my window. It's just... um, Right. So it's called The Eight Master Lessons of Nature. It's by Gary Ferguson. And... It says it's a riveting manifesto for millions of people who long to forge a more vital, meaningful connection to the natural world. And it just talks about the inner workings of nature, how nature renews itself and how we can take things, you know, lessons from nature and apply them to our lives. And I always, I just, I don't know. I just find all the kinds of advice on how to live fascinating and I love reading about them. And then of course I just throw away all that knowledge and just cherry pick out the ones that I can actually make work for me. So, um, yes. On that note, since we're talking about lessons from mother nature and climate change, and I will link to this in the show notes, I'll send you a link, Gail. Um, Jonathan Franzen wrote a, I don't know if he wrote, I'm not sure if it was an op-ed or, but he wrote a piece for the New York Times where he talked, you know, he talks about climate change and his approach to climate change and, um, he talks a lot about, we are just, you know, we're now past the point of no returns and no return in terms of climate change. And that no matter what we do, they are going to be like catastrophic, um, results to what has been going on with the planet and the warming of the planet and how, It still means that, you know, it does not mean that we should not live our lives and you shouldn't recycle or you shouldn't do things that benefit the planet because there's value in doing things, whether, you know, I guess this is an existential question, but there's value in doing something, whether you will be rewarded or can benefit from it or not. And just talking about like all the different things that we can do that are helpful instead of trying to get people to save the planet, but to start earmarking things for disaster relief and how we are going to rebuild certain um, parts of the country or to help other countries who are vulnerable to the rising, you know, the storms, I guess, probably Florida, um, Louisiana, uh, the Caribbean keeps getting hit how do we put things into place that will quickly be able to help people since this is going down, whether, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. So I just thought that was really interesting. It made me think about how I've been reading lots of dystopian fiction. Of course there was, well, station 11 was bird flu, I think, or bird flu like, right? That pandemic. Mm, But I think that we should, I think that that's a good show for us. I mean, it was an interesting article. You should definitely check it out. Like I have, I have my issues with Jonathan Franzen, but that was definitely an interesting piece. And just for us to just talk about some of the books that I, you know, we've both been reading about, 
um, the changing planet. And who knows? I mean, avian flu, Mm -hmm. the different kinds of things that we are, the diseases that we're seeing develop, the destruction of the Amazon. Like, how are these things linked? And just take a look at what writers and authors are, you know, what their bets are are on what our future is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I love climate fiction. Cli-fi. Climate dystopia. Cli-fi. <laughs> they really call it that. I just was reading, someone was do, is doing a course on cli-fi at mm-hmm. Politics and Prose. And they're like, do you want to write climate change fiction? Or climate change books in general, and I guess cli-fi is one of the topics covered. Because right. I think they're also doing nonfiction. Okay, so my next book, and I'm excited to say we um, can pair this with a giveaway. So Jojo Moyes, who's an author that Nicole and I both enjoy, um, she has a new book coming out called The Giver of Stars. And what's interesting about The Giver of Stars is it's actually set in the U.S., which I guess some of her books um, are set in the U.S., but she is a Australian writer, isn't she? Is she Australian or is she Jojo British? Moyes is... British. Yeah. British. Okay. And me before mm-hmm. you was set in England and me after you or whatever it was called. And I don't know. The third book of that trilogy takes right. place in New York, most of it. But this one is historical fiction set in Depression era America and it takes place in the Midwest. And it's about a woman who, um, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> kind of like um, the stars are fire, like ends up in a very, um, stifling and like constraining marriage with someone that she doesn't like. And she goes out as part of Eleanor Roosevelt's new traveling library. And she goes, um, becomes part of a team of women who deliver books. And that one just sounds kind of good. The horseback librarians of Kentucky. So I like Jojo Moyes. I like that this is a little bit of a departure for her. It's called the giver of stars. And we actually have a copy to give away. Um, along paired with another book of Jojo Moyes from her backlist called the Peacock Emporium. So we have these two books to give away as a package and we would like to give it away to someone in one of our listeners. So um, Nicole, what's the best way for people to let us know they're interested in receiving these books? Leave a comment on our, our fate in our readerly report Facebook group. I think that you can leave a comment on the readerly report readers. You can leave a comment on, I'm trying to think of what's our most recent, recent Instagram post. You can leave a comment on our most recent Instagram post. Well, why don't I take a picture of these books and we can post that on Instagram. Okay. And then we'll choose a winner there. Okay. And you can also leave a comment on our, our, readerly report facebook page if you don't want to join the group you can do it on the page and then we'll just combine all of those so into a magic hat and pick a winner mm -hmm, we'll pick a winner okay so my last book is um that's funny another book i picked up at book expo it's called one day by gene weingarten and gene weingarten is a columnist for the washington post so he's well-known here in D.C. And he decided he wanted to pick a day, pick a day in history, and just any ordinary day and just find out um, what went on on that day. Like, 
can you turn any average day into sort of an extraordinary day and find the unknown stories from that day and, you know, turn it into something interesting? So he went up to three strangers and he asked one to pick a day, one to pick a month and one to pick a year. And the day he ended up with was December 30th, sorry, December 28th, 1986, Sunday, December 28th, I had this on my list. And he wants, oh, you do have this on your list. Okay. I actually got this at Book Expo and I haven't really thought about it. Just sort of stuck it on the shelf and now it's coming out. I agree. I agree. I'm really excited about it. And of course, I love that it takes place in the 80s because I'm always like a sucker for any nostalgia 80s stuff. So... He says, that Sunday between Christmas and New Year's turned out to be filled with comedy, tragedy, implausible irony, cosmic comeuppances, kindness, kindness, cruelty, heroism, cowardice, genius, and on and on and on. Lives were lost, lives were saved, lives were altered. And, you know, these are stories that didn't make it into the news. They were sort of private things happening to private people. And he's gone through and looked at, let's take a look at that day and see what happened. So I just think that sounds kind of irresistible. Yeah. It's like a re- it's a real one day. So, yeah, exactly. And it's funny. It's taken him six years. He did this in 2013 is the day that he asked strangers to pluck a day. So it's taken him six years from that day till publication for this to come out. All right. And you said you have a copy of that, right? Okay. I do. So this one... It did not come out in October. Um, I was, for whatever reason, I was thinking that it did, but I'm going to mention it anyway. It is called Here All Along, Finding Meaning, Spirituality, and Deeper Connection to Life in Judaism. It's by Sarah Hurwitz. I was reading an article about her because she was M- Michelle Obama's head speechwriter when the Obamas were in office. So, and she talks about discovering, you know, just having you know, talking about being a lapsed Jew, um, she had gone through a tough breakup. You know, she's at a point in her life where she's just starting to think about family. She's 36, you know. So she starts to think about these things and she has time on her hands. So with her free time, she starts reconnecting with her faith and researching parts of of. I guess, Jewish law and faith in order to figure out some questions that she's having with her life. And I just think explorations like that, when you, you know, like people, a lot of us, sometimes you grow up with religion or you, it's a big part of your life. And then I think sometimes in college and moving away from your parents and trying to establish a a life, you can get disconnected from it. So I'm always interested in what brings people back in. And I think she starts to take, she takes a class or she comes across um, an an advertisement for a class in Judaism and she decides to take it. And then it, she just embarks on all of this other study as a result of this class. So she talks about, you know, her journey with that. And I I just find that fascinating. And it says she is on a mission to close the gap, I guess, um, between her life and Orthodox families by, it says, by sharing the profound insight she discovered on everything from Jewish holidays, ethics, and prayer to Jewish conceptions of God, death, and social justice. 
It's interesting. We've talked about November as being the nonfiction month, but we've had a lot of nonfiction between us right. for <laughs> October. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, a lot of, I don't, I think a lot of these heavier fare type books come out in October. So I'm sure we probably have, I have plenty. I have a mm-hmm. few more that I haven't uncovered. We're just taking a look at what's coming out this month that's grabbing us. And a lot of these, you know, a couple of these I discovered through reading, you know, just reading other things and looking them up. And I always like when I get my book sources from other places, because I think I was reading about this woman as a speech writer. I'm sure they have a bunch of articles ahead of her, her book being published. And of course, you know, the Michelle Obama speech writer, there's no catnip like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's interesting that this is like, how she began to study all the different rituals and the ethics and, and all of that. And, and I just, I, I like finding little gems that you can use. I just told you that book about uh, stillness is a key by Ryan, um, Ryan holiday, who it may not be religious, but um, you know, it's like all Epictus and Marcus Aurelius and just ancient wisdom. So Mm-hmm. Wow. Heavy stuff. So on that note, check in with us so that if you are a Jojo Moyes fan, we, maybe we can make you really, really happy. That book sounds interesting. Yes. You know, and I was thinking as you read that, I was just like, I would like to investigate what we have read that is you know, I mentioned Dominicana by Angie Cruz, which I feel like is a strong in a strong comp for stars are fire. And I think it's, it's probably a type mm-hmm. of book that we like, and we've read more of it than we think that we are. So we might have a show out of it. That would be so exciting if we did. Yeah. That would be fun. And to see if we re- if we like, if we love these books, I mean, I guess uh, there's something about, you know, a woman who's been restricted and finding, I love people finding themselves. I love those stories. And on that note, on that note, well, um, leave us a comment somewhere to win the books. And um, we've got lots of great shows planned for the rest of the year. So keep listening. And until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonilla.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.